Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast. My name is Jennifer Apple. And this week, I have my favorite type of conversation about these hot topic emotions and states of beings all of us navigate as artists with Jenny Pearsall. We talk about navigating fear, the importance of courage, and the concept of doing something right versus truthfully. We discuss how to demystify overwhelming emotions in the creative process, how to break down bigger tasks into smaller steps, and how to cultivate connections and build relationships. We also talk about the power of empathy, that everyone is truly making it up as they go, and the importance of making beautiful choices with a caring heart on this unpredictable journey that is one's life as an artist. Enjoy. Jenny Pearsall, hello. Hi. <laughs> um, for anybody who's watching the YouTube, we I unannounced matched with our t-shirts with these little v-neck bluish moments. So that's a cute, a cute, <laughs> I don't know. And then also, I mean, I feel like we have a lot more in common. We're sharing a version of a name. We went to the same undergrad. We didn't really know it. Like there's a lot of overlap that, you know, anyway. Hi, who are you today? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on this podcast. I'm excited. For anybody who does not know you, who are you today? Um, I am an actress and writer and now producer of, uh, I guess, filmmaker, really. Um, so I, I feel like I can attribute my entire career to two now infamous sentences that my mother uttered when I was fighting her back in the day on the practicality of pursuing a career in the arts. Okay. And she looked at me and said, sweetie, you have the rest of your life to be practical. Live a little. Wow. And I was like, wow, okay. Bags are packed. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I've, I've kind of evolved through being a dancer first, a dancer who covered principal roles. Then I was like, this is for the birds. I just want to play the roles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then expanding into straight plays and, and ultimately into film and TV. Amazing. Um, I am really pumped for whatever this conversation is going to be. Um, you know, we kikied off of this before we started just about some of these larger conversations that I think, you know, arguably many people aren't necessarily having about perhaps feelings many of us artists have while we are navigating through this career that we are on. Um, I'm curious for you with your journey thus far. As you've started putting on these new hats for yourself, especially with your short film that you can talk more about or, you know, the producing part of that, as you were discovering <laughs> what it means to try new things and be perhaps, quote unquote, less practical, thank you, mom, um, <laughs> what was, if you had to pick, like the largest life lesson that you discovered as you were going? Hmm. Um. I think as a deeply feeling, sensitive soul in a world not totally designed for that, yeah. um, that I have never really had the option of doing things fearlessly. I'm afraid of everything. Mm. So, you know, I've, I've known all along that fear is always going to be riding shotguns. So the real question is, are we going to start the car or not? And okay. um and so I think that I guess the biggest lesson is just fear is along for the ride. So I, I think that sometimes, and I think we've talked about this before, that like 
ignorance is bliss in terms of there have been many uh, checkpoints along my career where you could point to those as like, wow, she really like jumped off into the proverbial deep end there. Mm -hmm. But that's the best way for me to do it because I think that like, I joke with people all the time that had I known what went into writing, producing, and starring in a short film, um, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because of um, how much work it is? Yeah, it's daunting. It's incredibly mm -hmm. daunting. And it was especially daunting as an actor who had never worn those hats before. All of a sudden, you're the executive producer. You're the top of this hierarchy. Everybody has questions for you, and you have no answers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, I was surrounded by um, my co-producers, my director, Kevin Deming, and my cinematographer, Andy Whitlatch, and they were phenomenal. You know, you, you work to surround yourself with a team of people uh, who make it a safe enough space that I don't know is a totally acceptable answer to a question. Mm -hmm. um, I found it stressful. I think maybe other people are like cooler cucumbers than I. I tend to like take things to the max and every capacity that I do them. And so I really wanted, I didn't want to have like a first pancake short film. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make something that was going to feel meaningful. And so I just, I poured my heart and soul into it. And I think when the stakes are that high, you know, that's, it makes it, um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I guess. I you do know, you do know. I mean, I, I want to double back on this fear aspect of things though right? You say you take it along for the ride. Has there been a shift for yourself about how you do that? I know for, you know, when I work with clients and they talk about nerves or arguably when I teach master classes that, and there's like a Q&A, that is usually one of the questions every single time of how do I calm my nerves or what do I do when I'm nervous before an audition? Or what do I do with all these, the anxiety that's popping up in my body as I go into these spaces? And I always say that, you know, I, I compare it to when you've watched a movie and one second you're crying and the next second you're laughing and then you're doing both at the same time and how emotions are fluid. And in order to get to the next one, you have to move through them. You have to. Otherwise, they're going to pop up in all these crazy little ways. Same thing with the nerves, right? So if you're going into an audition yeah. and you're pretending that you're not nervous, those nerves are going to pop out when you're going to crack at the top of your node. You're not. You're going to fall out from underneath your a, a turn. You'll you know stumble on a line because your nerves need to come out in some way. Versus like, hey, nerves! Before we walk in, I'm going to hold your hand. You're along for the ride with me. You are part of this journey with me. We're all going in together on this experience. And now you'll become excitement. You'll become. Um, you know, whatever the, whatever it morphs into. Um, is that what you mean with fear has to come along for the ride or have you like reframed what fear is for you? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that's, first of all, that's a great question because I think people are up against that all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I could say things as simple as like box breathing, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, where I feel like I often, I'm an overthink, I'm a deep, deep thinker with like over in front of things. Like I'm a deep overthinker, you know? Yeah. And so <laughs> I often find that what I've got to do is get back into my body. Um, I can't, I spend a lot of time cognitively up here. And so whether that's like exercise or I remember like years ago, like running up and down the staircase uh, in Chelsea's studios, just because I was okay. like, I need to like get back into my body. And that was the only way I could get my lungs to be like, 
oh my God, there we are. There mm. we are. Okay. We're breathing again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the main probably life altering ways that I have managed that kind of fear is um, Vedic meditation. And I started that, it'll be 10 years in August. Wow. Um, 20 minutes twice a day. And I would say that the biggest the biggest asset I think about that was just that it shortens the length of time between impulse to action. I think that 10 years ago, there were many times that I would have an impulse and just fear would totally crowd the space and I wouldn't be able to actually take any action on it. Now I feel like I have the impulse. Fear is still there, like waving, mm-hmm. um, but it feels like, okay, we're going to do this. And I, there's this quote, um, I don't know who said it, but it something to the effect of like, all it takes is 20 seconds of insane courage and I promise something great will come of it. Mm. And I just love that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. that's like that's like when I sit down to send the scary emails, when I sit down to like write the pitch email, you know, all of that stuff that you're like, I just need not even 20 seconds. I need five. Yeah. I just need a hit send, you know? Correct. That's it. Correct. And so um, yeah, I've tried to frame it less as a I think some people look at fear as this as a wall. And I like, you know, like they see it and they kind of walk away from it. And I feel like, again, because I just find myself so sensitive and so like fearful of so many things that I just don't have that option. I'd like never leave my house. So um, it is something I feel quite practiced at is feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And was that because you've recognized this is a thing that I have in me? This is a thing that has has been arguably paralyzing me from moving forward in some capacity. If I don't want to feel this way, I have to recognize it, own it, and decide to do something differently. Well, it's, I mean, it is the journey of becoming more and more visible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you start off as an interpretive artist and you're interpreting other people's work and that is vulnerable. There's absolutely vulnerability in that. When you start writing your own work and then interpreting that, I right. mean, there's a whole new level of vulnerability that comes along with like, now, you know, I, I think it's it's always, it's lovely when people give you external validation for your acting of someone else's work. Yeah. Um, I found that something, you know, I, but I, I do feel like sometimes as an actor, you're like, ah, oh, it's a dime a dozen, you know, like it, it, you hear it and it lands, but then it kind of fades away. And something really interesting has happened with the positive feedback that I get about, um, Dear Simone, which is the screenplay that I wrote. And uh, it really, it lands in such a different way. And somebody finally pointed out like, well, right, because it's it's you. Yours. Mm-hmm. It's you that they're validating. It's not your interpretation of another character. And I thought, wow, it had never once occurred to me that that was the difference between those two things. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I want to challenge that in some way, though, because arguably your interpretation of a character that's been written is still yours. You know what I'm saying? Like no one else is going to do that character the way that you would do that character. That's why any of us are artists is so that we can be the vessel through which the story is told. And it can only be told the way that we tell it because we are who we are. And, And I hear that Perhaps the added layer is the fact that it was birthed of you, though. So it's not just, it's not even about the interpretation of it. It's not about necessarily it coming through you. It's that you were the first. And so there might be this element of 
the original of the thing that I wonder had, you know, were you to originate apart from its inception with the playwright in a living room to then six years later developing it and now it moves to, you know, off-Broadway house or regional hall. Like you are that person who it's only been through. That would have been morphed off of you anyway, whether you wrote it or not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's fair. But I do hear that though, where it's this – not that we do this necessarily for the validation, but there is something to be said about somebody seeing all of the work that you've done and all of the way in which you've stamped this piece, that it isn't it isn't anybody else's. It's truly yours, that there's probably an ownership to the whole oh, sure. creation. Well, and but I, I, I think too, it's like, it's just the truest thing sure. I could say that yeah. like, I took it upon myself to say, you know, it's one thing if I'm working on someone else's work and the playwright has had the courage to mm-hmm. put these truths out in the world. And it's it, what an honor to be able to interpret right. those as an artist. Kudos. You did the hard work. Yeah. Of being <laughs> you know? But yeah. like as, as the person who is doing the writing of the thing and you're just thinking like, my God, like mm-hmm. this is the vulnerability in that. Nothing truer than right. this. You know, and so there's something so noble and beautiful about that kind of confession, but terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's this thing too. It's like going back to this idea of fear. We've labeled emotions as good and bad Mm. for so long where it's like, oh, to be angry is a bad thing. Yes. Using your anger in right. certain ways can be really terrible, but arguably so could like toxic positivity. Toxic you know what I mean, right? Yeah, if I'm yeah. using my toxic positivity, I'm not necessarily showing up fully anyway. I'm showing up in some like fake way of being, right? Like everything, every single emotion has positives and negatives depending on how we're using them. And so it's really interesting for me with this idea of fear, this emotion of fear that I desperately battle as well for a lot of things in my life, how it really does plague us in in a different way than other emotions that might be labeled differently. Mm-hmm. So, do you know what I'm getting at? I do. I do know what you're getting at. And I actually, ironically, this is something that Dear Simone navigates. Uh, I mean, it's sort of its through line, this idea of like, when is it the right time to look at a scary situation or a shitty situation and say like, okay, let's like get out our gratitude journal and make Mm -hmm. a list versus saying, I'm sorry, that sucks. Yeah. And having both of those be valid responses and just knowing, being able to hold the nuance of when is it appropriate for which response? Mm. Um, Because I also think too, I mean, I I have a, a sort of, I wouldn't say positive relationship with anger, but like I do some of my best work when I finally get indignant enough or angry enough to start it. Yeah. And this is actually- Do you find that's for yourself too? Like when you're angry at yourself or when you're angry at circumstances outside of yours at both? It is, it is, uh, it's always angry at circumstances outside myself. Although I guess, um, uh, that's a good question. It's mostly certain, like, it'll be like, are you serious? Like I'm perfect for this part. And then I'll like Uh waltz into the appointments, crash them and like, do the thing, you know? Yeah. Or I feel like, um, you know, (laughs) I took this writing class uh, that was actually how I started writing the screenplay. And we all show up on the first day and we're reading our works in progress out loud. And one of the students didn't have a screenplay. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, the type A in me was just like, why would you waste your money? Like, why are you yeah. here? You know? And the following week, he brought in a full screenplay that he'd written in the span of a week. And we read it out loud. And candidly, it was not Oscar award-winning material. But it had three <laughs> things that my screenplay didn't have. And that was a beginning, a middle, and an end. Wow. And I was like, livid. Yeah. yeah, I was livid. <laughs> I was so livid. Yeah. And so I finally, you know, I went home and I was like, all right. Parasol, like, what are you going to do about it? You know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I don't have a work schedule where I can just wipe everything clean and sit down for a week. What's a week? 40 hours. Can I put 40 individual hours on the calendar moving forward and end up with a screenplay? And at like hour 39, we had what would ultimately become, you know, Dear Simone, the film. Wow. wow. Yeah. I'm, I mean, it's interesting to, to hear that that doesn't paralyze you, right? Because I feel like I've been in parts in my life where seeing somebody else's productivity, for lack of a better term, makes me question my own. And arguably anybody who knows me, they'd probably be like, Jen, you're like incredibly productive. And I'd be like, you don't actually know me on my couch binging many hours of TV. (laughs) And maybe I'm like a crunch time, you know, like let's get it done because it has to be done. But is it done to the extent that I want it to be done? Arguably no. But has it been completed? Sure, because I have shame around not completing something. But that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) But, But it's so interesting because so many people, I think, it can be it can be a, done in two different ways. Like your direction of like you see this dude who like shows up and in a week has a full screenplay or somebody who sees this and is like, wow, well, now I'm in full paralysis because I can't do that. And mm. then it goes into the opposite versus like sure. it seems like it lights a fire under you, which is really incredible that you're able to like harness those feelings and put mm-hmm. them towards productivity or work or creativity but I know there have been periods in my life where I see that and there's the compare leads to despair thing that has to be like activated in my brain of like, this is their journey. This is not your journey. You mm-hmm. are different people. You work differently. All of the things to remind myself that we are not the same and we do not work the sure. same way. And sure. I also will sit on my couch and stare at my to-do list and remember like that's still staring you in the face and you're not doing it. And that, that person just did it in a week. <laughs> totally. Well, I think – I mean, this goes back to the question of living the right way or living Close, yeah. the truthful way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, let's not get it twisted. Like, it's not as though I'm over here, you know, like barreling my way through every time I see someone's, you know. <laughs> you might be. I don't know. Um, well, but I mean, just for example. So like this year, the bane of my existence has been that like every single person I know is getting these like killer Getty images. This has become like, like on a like on a red carpet. You're saying like on a red carpet, yeah. Okay. And they're just like these fabulous images of them looking fantastic, and like it is like the bane of my existence. What a what a silly thing to place like your entire value of success on. I have never to- in my life, and I mean this in the sweetest of ways, heard anybody think that that was like something that bothers them. I love you for that. Where you're like, <laughs> I want a gorgeous. I, I just want to. I'm going to call up a photographer friend and be like, we're going to make. You know what I mean? I mean, it was runway. so. It, it got to the point where my boyfriend was like, "Babe, you know, I can just like create that." That's what I'm saying. You like, I'm going to create a runway for you. What do totally, you totally. But I so, so I think like I guess I, I bring that up to say. I'm not also I'm not like degrading the fact that this was something that was actually bothering you. I just no, think it's adorable. No, it's fine. It's, yeah. it's, it is adorable. It's really it is sweet. like it's like yeah. the shiny thing that it's like, Jenny, really? Like that's the thing. But that sends me into a spiral about 
oh gosh, like I'm standing on the outside of this proverbial glass house that is like the film and TV world and I can't get in and blah, blah, blah. I think that becomes, I, I guess I'm in my head sort of making that the parallel of like, well, that's asking the question, like, are you living the right or the wrong way? Well, when it's also ask- the narrative that you're telling yourself when you're Absolutely. seeing that thing. Absolutely. But I think when I see someone do something and I know that I have a story, you know, like in, in the instance of the screenplay, I think I saw that and was just like, I know in the depths of my soul that I have something meaningful to say. Mm-hmm. And I just haven't put in the discipline to sit down and get it onto this blank word document. Yeah. And I think that's a different question, right? Than like, I, I think there are probably different facets of my life in which I feel like, wow, that would really light a fire underneath me. Like writing and acting, I feel that way about if it were singing or sending an email to someone who terrifies me. You know, I mean, yeah. I think there are lots of ways in which the paralysis is, I mean, that's, I just want to validate that that's incredibly real. Um, so. No, but I think you're bringing up this. Um, also, I don't mean to like belittle the fact that you really wanted to be taken in gorgeous Getty photo situations. Oh, I don't um, feel belittled. You're fine. Great. And now I want to like actually with your boyfriend create <laughs> this experience for you and or just like reach out to somebody and be like, I want to be invited to an opening night of something. I and know. Just those pictures. Like it can't it be felt, that hard. Right. You know, that's, felt, the, that's the one email that you need to send. That's yeah, exactly. It, it did. Yeah. I think something about that feels like the like invite to the club, you know, that's the kind of stuff that gives me paralysis. It is never the doing of the work. It's never the writing of the screenplay, the acting of the thing. It is the craft is something that I very fortunately feel like quite anchored and grounded and secure about. Um, Which is the harder part to feel grounded in. So you've already nailed it. You're beyond. I guess so. You know, to me, it doesn't feel that way. I'm like, I'll write 18 screenplays. Someone just get me on a red carpet. (laughs) Oh, you poor little thing. We're going to get you on a red carpet in like two months. I mean, the industry is, you know, barreling to a halt. But, you know. Yeah. (laughs) But beyond that, we'll get you on a a red carpet. Don't you fret. Yeah. But it's Um, logistics that paralyze me. Isn't that funny? That's interesting. No, but I I think that's really helpful to talk about too, right? Just generally these words like fear, paralysis, Mm. they're all falling under the same umbrella. And we forget that, again, it's like grass is always greener, but we forget that other people's experiences of these things are totally different than ours. Like your form of paralysis or your form of fear or your form of feeling on the outside is completely Mm -hmm. different than mine. You know, I'm sitting there being like, you wrote a screenplay and you filmed a short film and I'm wanting to do that. And I had to like pay for a class to make me have deadlines so that I had structure to write the pilot that has been sitting and living in my brain for six years, maybe less. I don't know. But like, and I finally did. And it's incredible. And I love my pilot. And I'm really happy I've done it. But if I didn't- Congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm trying to own it a little bit more. Um, But had I not put myself in this class, I would never have the discipline to do it ever. Where it seems like you are fired up by these external- things that like allow you to sit and do it. Whereas like for me, I'm like, I'll take a, I'll, I'll reach out to an Instagram photographer and have a collaboration and get myself a Getty photo. (laughs) (laughs) Like the, you know what I'm saying? Like the paralysis is totally different. And so I don't know. I think for me, it's just this reminder that we're all experiencing these versions of, of these, these larger quote unquote emotional stasis 
Mm -hmm. right? But they, they feel differently in all of us. They operate differently in all of us. And that is arguably the human experience. And I would argue too, that what makes it then so important that we talk about these things out loud is that it can feel so isolating. Correct. If I'm over here being like, oh my gosh, I'm on the outside and I can't get it, you know, whatever. And so it's just incredibly helpful to then talk to someone else whose strengths and weaknesses either complement yours or just yeah. simply different than yours. So you can get a sense of like, oh, well, you hired a publicist. So that's why you're on a ton of red carpets. Correct. Or your best friend cool. is the lead in the show. Or your best friend is the lead in the show. And they have some clumps or they want you there right. because you're their best friend, right. which is exactly. amazing. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I love that as, you know, yeah. it is, and that's like why we're having this conversation, right? Just yeah. to- absolutely demystify in some capacity the fact that we are all generally going through a version of the same label in very different ways that are manifest it's manifesting itself in our lives in very different ways have you been using the same monologue for years and could use a new piece are you applying to ba vfa or mfa programs and need a monologue for that process are you someone who simply has no idea where to search for monologues Well, lucky for you, I do what is called monologue sourcing, in which I find monologues specifically chosen for you. So many artists use pieces based off external labeling for types and roles rather than find pieces sharing who they really are and what speaks to them. So we'll meet virtually together. You share who you are as a human, what you love, your dislikes, your values, beliefs, family, friends, love, politics, you name it. I will help guide you through this. And then I go off on my own and find you monologues chosen just for you that fit like a glove. I've been doing monologue sourcing for years as an extension of the coaching I do with artists, and I have found pieces in this way for over hundreds of artists thus far. So if you are someone who wants to feel empowered about the monologues you bring into rooms and use for auditions, I would love to help you find them. And because you are a dedicated listener of the Empowered Artist Collective podcast, I want to provide you with a custom link to an exclusive rate when you check out today. Head to empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo to register. That's empoweredartistcollective.com slash podcast promo right now. I cannot wait to help you find monologues you absolutely adore. You had brought up this thing, and I want to circle back to this idea of something being right versus Mm -hmm. just being done truthfully. Mm -hmm. And I think back to a lot of more educational spaces um, where you're taught or many of us are taught that there is a right way to do the thing. And I think there has been a little bit more positively like rumblings of like, there is none, everyone. No, there is no way. There is not a right way to do this. And I think now it's a little bit more in the psych, like in people's psychosis that like, that actually is not the thing. There isn't just the one way. Um, You know, we say a lot in this particular space here, like there's no right way. It's like whatever's right for you, Hmm, you know, and it's, and that could change on the yeah. same day. In the yeah. morning, it could be one thing. And in the afternoon, it can be another thing. And the yeah. same thing with the next week, the year, months, whatever. Um, but this idea of doing it truthfully, I think, is is something really interesting to unpack. So I'm curious for you what that means. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it is, it's anchoring back into what are my true values, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like getting hung up on a Getty image or someone booking uh, their first guest star or whatever and feeling like, God, uh, and just feeling that kind of, obviously, happiness for them, but envy for yourself. And then mm -hmm. you think like, okay, what is my definition of success? And when I really boil it down, it's super simple. Like it's, I want to make good art with good people. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. And so, so what is good art for you? I mean, the, the, I mean, art is well, truthful art, truthful art. So okay, that's what I'm that asking. Is courageous, exactly. something that is right. Well, and so I guess when I say anchor back into your values, what I think about a lot is like the, you know, my why statement, which is mm -hmm. to create generous spaces so that others can honor their wounds en route to healing. Okay. Um, and so for me, that is like, forging the path forward in terms of saying the uncomfortable thing out loud. You know, I, I have both the privilege and the curse, I think, of being a friend in my circles who I feel like I'll talk about an uncomfortable experience and people will say later, you know, like, thank you so much for giving me words for what I've been feeling, but mm. just couldn't articulate. Um, and there's something quite cool about that. There's also something kind of lonely about that, right? Yeah. To like always be the person kind of moving forward. But I think there's something I, I have so badly um, wanted not to feel alone in the various things that I encounter in life that it feels so important to me to talk about the trickier stuff because I just want someone else to have, you know, you talk about like this being the podcast that you wish you'd had. Yeah. And so I think when I move through the world, what I'm often trying to do is make give people a place where they can belong as themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for you, the truthfully, the truth part of that is owning your full experience in it? Yeah, I think owning that it is never one thing. You know, like it is never, um, I don't know, you know, you book your first Broadway show and like that's the reason that your relationship falls apart. You know, like yeah. it, it just feel like it is always um, – it's like a sphere of experience. There is no good or bad or, you know, it's you, if my, my best friend's so great. She always talks about, you know, like, well, we have like many shades and colors along like the human experience, the human mm -hmm. emotional spectrum. We're allowed to experience any number of them throughout the course of any, you know, encounter or any day. And, and so I think that, um, I think living truthfully to me just means acknowledging the the ups and the downs, mm -hmm. kind of and just like coloring that experience in fully. And when you're putting that in your art, are you putting that on a barometer of vulnerability? Where are you shading that? I think as a writer, um, particularly with Dear Simone, I'm often sitting down and the things that are most interesting to me to write are the things that are unresolved in my brain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those things are often – moments I'm grieving or traumas that aren't processed yet. And so I think in order to do those things justice, you have to express the the fullest extent of the, the experience or it's not, it doesn't, it's not resonant. One of the most meaningful things to me is when people are, you know, like audibly crying in the audience about this film. And it's about scenes that I didn't even think were that emotional, but they'll yeah. say to me afterwards, like, I just have a, sibling like that, or I have a family member like that. And, um, 
you know, I, it's really struggle to connect with them. And so there's just something about the effort that these two siblings put in, um, that really moves me. And so I think that the more specific you can be about that, and I guess in that vein, the more honest you can be about that, the, the more resonant it will be for people who may not necessarily have even had that experience, but certainly know the feeling of loneliness or isolation or grief or loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this idea of truth is is one that I think about often, especially in the day and age that we are living in where there is so much fake news and and um clickbait and yeah. people questioning what actually is true. Um mm -hmm. and what is what is fact and how do you prove fact and how like all of that feels like it's now tied into this word of truth mm -hmm. just in like the state of the world that we're living in. And so for me, understanding somebody else's definition of what is truthful, I think is helpful because mm. it can be so different from one person to the next. I think for me, what I'm when I think about doing something right versus mm -hmm. doing something truthfully, it really does mean one is coming from action and one is coming from feeling or mm. one is coming from this idea of productivity and one is coming from a heart forward place where you as a human being are grounded in going back to what you're saying values or going mm -hmm. going off of your own emotional compass Right. Sure. So when you're doing something, when you're trying to do something right, you are going off of arguably external barometers of what right in these quotes, right is up against. Right. So how do you do something right? It's in comparison to something mm -hmm. versus the truth part is how do you show up to the thing? How are you choosing to honor yourself in something, perhaps ignoring the circumstances that are built, deciding to own your own experience in it unapologetically, sure. to be fearless, going back to that word again, in your own autonomy and your own emotional life, which is like yeah. to be truthful might be really hard and it might also not. Like to be standing in truth might be so clear and it also may be the hardest thing you've ever done. Absolutely. There's nothing those... easy about truth. But but is but I wonder if it is. I guess that's what I'm pushing up against. Like mm. going back to what we were talking about for like you being able to like see this person coming in with that screenplay and producing then you coming back and sitting down for 40 hours and then producing in that way arguably in some capacity in this particular conversation is doing the quote unquote right thing where you came back. This is the parameters of the class. You were supposed mm -hmm. to produce a screenplay. This kid did it. Now you need to do it mm -hmm. versus the true thing in theory could have been you sitting with yourself thinking through all the feelings that you were like having about this dude being able to produce it, not actually necessarily being able to sit down and putting pen to paper and sitting with the truth of the matter, which is that that was really hard to feel in real time with this watching this dude roll in with that. 
that mm. you might not be at a place right now to be able to produce. And what is true for you is that you need to sit a little bit longer and process. Well, you know, I want to go back to something you said when you're kind of putting parallels, like doing it the right way versus doing it the truthful way. Yeah. And I think what came to mind when you were talking about that was, oh, well, it's shame and it's empathy. Mm. Doing it the right way. Well, if I do it the wrong way, then I have shame about the fact that I did it the wrong way. And maybe everybody knows I did it the wrong way. And so now I'm feeling even worse because they're judging yeah. me for it and that spiral going down yeah. and down and down. Versus I came to it with empathy. Mm-hmm. And so I came to it with- Or vulnerability or, or vulnerability, sensitivity. Yeah, or, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or courage or you know yeah. whatever it is that you, what term you want to use. But I came to it with wanting to build a bridge and make a connection. Mm-hmm. And so I think when- And as far as the question of what's truthful, is it truthful to produce the screenplay you just wrote or sit with it because you're not quite ready? I mean, I think that that's like, you know when something is stewing in you and has to get out. Yeah, for sure. Sure. And I think that's that's the right time. I'm not saying that what you didn't do, what you did do was not truthful. I'm just saying that like no, no, no. another person. About that. Yeah. yeah, it's like we're talking about like action versus like the feeling part of it. It's like perhaps the like doing of the thing is actually moving away from what's truthful in you at the time. For you, it was sure. truthful to produce, like you had to write it. It was sure. it was stewing up in you enough that you were like, I'm ready. <laughs> Thank <laughs> yeah. you, sir, for showing me that this needed to come out immediately. Totally. Um, totally. No, I think you're bringing up something really interesting and 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 wonderful which is the shame i mean the shame spiral isn't a wonderful thing but it's something that we all experience and yeah. arguably holds so many of us back i know i'll speak on behalf of myself there's like a real shame in me looking at my to-do list mm. every single day and seeing the same two or three little things that i have had written on there for months yeah for months that have to be self-generated and I have yet to bring myself to them. And they're sitting there longer because I have probably been sitting with shame around the fact that now it's been so long that I haven't Mm, touched them. Right. And so then how do you get out of that, you know, that spiral, that cycle? We all have different ways of navigating that. Um, I don't claim to be- I guess my question too for you would be, okay, so how do you reword that to do. I mean, because we've talked about this before too, that like when you put write screenplay on your list, it's not going to get done. No one's ever going to be able to check that off. Correct. But when the to-do is sit butt in chair and write for an hour, no matter how excruciating. I'd even say write for 10 minutes, but- 10 minutes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let's really dial this down. One Pomodoro session, one 25 minute work sprint, Um, you know, whatever it is, then that becomes like, Because I think what it is, is how easily can I answer this question? So if the task is write screenplay, well, dear God, can, and I mean, when, when can you check that off as being 100% totally done? If the question is sit in chair and write for 10 minutes, well, you know whether you did that or not. Yeah. And so I guess my question for you, for the ones, the tasks that you're feeling shame about, because I am sure that they are things that would be meaningful for the world to experience if and when you share them. So what is it, how do you break those things down so that they become less feeling oriented and more, more like task, um, kind of like take the emotion out of it? How do you, like, what can you do to take the emotion out of one of those tasks? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I don't think I've fully figured it out. Sure. Um, Nor have I, I, just to be clear. Yeah, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I think I think it's a really great question. I think you kind of just gave the example perfectly, which is let's really boil this down to smaller steps. Let's make this a process as opposed to the product. Let's make this yeah. a journey rather than the destination, right? Like let's really, okay, if I'm trying to, you know, pitch my pilot, I'm not there yet. The industry is currently closed, but like, you know, like if the, if the goal is to pitch my pilot, well, I'm not, I, I need to write, I need to like really break that down. Like I need to have a yeah. pitch deck and I need to like start where, who am I reaching out to and what are their contact information? What is the email that I'm sending to these people and who am I reaching out to that knows the different people that I want to be connected? Like, but there are so many steps before I even get to the large umbrella of pitch the pilot. Sure. Right. So yeah, I think it's a matter of really I mean, it has to come, whatever you're trying to accomplish has to get out of your brain. So I think there is a huge, there's merit. And I think it's incredibly important. That's why I have to-do lists all over the place and little post-it notes everywhere. It looks like a beautiful mind up in here, I swear to God. Like it has to get out of my brain in order for me to be like, cool, it's off of me. Then it's a matter of looking at these things, prioritizing them in terms of like deadlines or when things actually have to get done, perhaps not from your own you know, engine from other things. But for the ones that are your own creative projects, I think it's, yeah, I'm not great at this, but I think it's a matter of being like, okay, cool. Pitch pilot. What exactly, if we're breaking this down, what are all of the things that will have to go into me potentially doing that? And really, again, just dumping, brain dumping, like all of the things that I might think might be possible. And then I imagine there will be other things when I learn about what that process is actually really like for myself. Um, I'm a very visual person. So when I see it Mm -hmm. all in front of me, then it's like, okay, what feels like I can make this a digestible task um, to do now? What takes less time that I can easily check off the to-do list? Um, And putting them into digestible nuggets. Sure. I'm not great at it. I'm definitely not. I do think that there is a lot to be said about that as a practice in and of itself. Sure. I also think too, I mean, to give you another uh, Marianism, my mom, um, I remember lamenting to her one day that I was like, I don't know, mom, I just like didn't move any mountains today. (laughs) And she was like, sweetie, once in a while, couldn't you just like kick a hill? (laughs) Yeah. And I thought that this was the funniest thing. And so I think that knowing that- I wasn't even going to say like a sandcastle. Like we're not even right. talking about like a firm thing anymore. Right. You're not going to hurt right. you, but yeah. Um, that there are going to be days that feel like you move mountains. The day you pitch your pilot to your first studio exec, that's going to be a huge day. And there are also days where you're doing the grunt work of like, I don't know, filling out your Airtable records to like keep track of your reach outs. You know what I mean? Like do whatever. Do that? I I do. Can you talk about this for a second? What do you do? Um, Do you know the program Airtable? Yeah, I get ads from it all the time. Okay. (laughs) So you can create records. And so I have- Is it like a a CRM, like a Trello? Is it the similar thing? It's uh, like, yeah, it's like a project management system. Yeah. Yeah, And so um, I had used it in my um, survival job and was like, ooh. And like candidly was like, oh, the pretty colors. Okay. but you create records and so and then you can filter you know them by views and so basically i have created a record for every yeah. single person that i've ever reached out to and then i filter them by like are they a casting director are they a writer are they a producer are they where are they located geographically so i know like hey if i'm planning a trip out to la who should i reach out to to like see if they're free for coffee because i'd love to catch up with them 
Who should I, you know, like, wow. so it basically, and then it just tracks what have our interactions been like, and especially, you know, when you're reaching out to reps or managers or things like that, it's like, has this person responded to me positively? Cool. Keep following up with that person. Has this person never responded to me in all like 12 follow-ups I've sent them? Okay. Maybe we can yeah. like move on. Um, and so I have found that it's a meaningful way to get a sense you know, especially if you're sending out things at the end of the year or like wanting to wish people like congratulations on your award that you won for casting the show. Um, it's just a good way to track what the journey of that professional relationship has looked like. I love that. I do that for my coaching, but I've hmm. never done it as in like the universities and the various programs that I teach at and have reached out to work with and um, all of that, but I've never done it for my personal life. <laughs> wow. That's an yeah. investment of time. Yes. It's definitely an upfront investment of time. But then once you're able to filter these things kind of according to whatever intention, you know, whatever reach outs you're sending yeah. that week, it is, um, it's just, it's helpful. It's, I mean, it's also, you know, it's confronting too, when you like go yeah. to your to-do view and you're like, oh, wow, I still haven't gotten the courage to reach out to that person. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know? but, but I mean, knowledge is power, right? Yeah, so sure. having that data Absolutely. in front of you is really important. We talk about this, you know, in a very different episode with Hannah Cole um, mm -hmm. recently in our um, episode about money, where it's like mm -hmm. the first thing that you is like a helpful tip is to like literally yep. just look. Like yep. so many people don't want to look because that's so scary. But yeah. data is fact. Yeah. You go back to truth. But like yeah, you know, right, right. All, if you see what's in front of you, then you know you have agency to decide what you want to do going forward. So if you are seeing a particular journey with a particular person that you really wish you had more of a relationship with, and you yeah. then have agency to decide this is how I want to move forward or proceed. Sure. Whereas if you have been like you know putting on your blinders around it, and you're like ah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. like then it's it leads to paralysis in some other form, and arguably another you know shame cycle. And we're back in what we were talking about earlier. Um, Interesting to note, my dear. I do that, yeah, with Trello, which is, I mean, we're not like, I mean, maybe Trello, you want to sponsor us? Great. Live yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's wild that you keep that up for your professional. I know people do that for, you know, like audition journals, which I keep as well. And arguably you can search in that capacity, but it seems sure. to be a different thing versus like the reach outs that you're doing um, for these particular people. I think that's. Well, I think, you know, cool. I, th th there's a reason that I've invested the time in that. And that is that when I look at my career, so much of it is built off of the relationships that I've cultivated. For sure. So in knowing like, okay, that's where I find the most success, then knowing what strings I could have pulled and didn't or forgot to, you know, mm -hmm. if you don't, if you forget, cause it's like, oh man, I should have, that person responded really positively to me and I never followed up, but I forgot about it well, okay, that's not, probably never going to happen. But if it's somebody that you've like made a record for and now you can see, oh, I should, I should talk to that person again. Or yeah. this person would be helpful, you know, or even like sometimes it's fun just to be like, oh, you know what? Like these two people should know each other. Mm -hmm. um, this is actually a game or not a game. It was, uh, I used to host these parties in, um, when I first got to the city called Good People Should Meet Other Good People. I love it. Because, you should do this again. Yeah, I don't even know I, exactly was, what you're doing, but I love what I feel like I know about it. It was awesome. I felt like I, I was always really kind of envious of people who left 
BFA programs with like 10 super tight knit close mm-hmm. friends, you know, and I didn't even study theater at Muhlenberg. So um, I left and kind of felt like I was just sort of floating around. And as I was doing shows and sort of like gathering these wonderful souls of people, you know, I just felt like they should really know each other. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, we would host these parties. Um, and, and just, it was all kind I mean, sometimes there were six people there. Sometimes there were 36 people there. I mean, it was absolutely a community. And then born out of that were some collaborations and connections and some dates, you know, which that yeah. was always super exciting. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I love I that. Connection is, connection is key. I know we bounced around so much, but I, in my brain, I feel like we've actually covered a lot around, you know, this idea of fear or reframing that this idea of, you know, talking about something being truthful or what is truth versus, you know, doing something quote unquote right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this idea of productivity and like, what is that and how do we break it down so that it yeah. doesn't feel overwhelming? Um, as we are winding on our time, is there anything that you feel like is an additive to what we've been talking about or something that's like on your heart in response to what we've been talking about that you want to share? I wish that I could go back in time and get it through my brain that everyone is making it up as they go along. Oh, yeah. That's something um, I, you know, when we talk about like imposter syndrome or shame, this idea that like somehow other people know how to do the thing yeah. is really um, you talked about that the second you introduced yourself. But I, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you were just like, I was the executive producer and I kept saying, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that was that was the only helpful answer I had. And, yeah. uh, you know, until you do know. And then once you know, then you share your knowledge and it's it's great. But um, yeah, I think I think that's kind of the the game. Yeah. As in no one knows and everyone's making it the fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a release. I think there's something liberating about that. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and also, also too, I'll add to that, and the people who are overconfidently asserting that they know exactly what's what probably are the most deeply insecure. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was, that was really mm-hmm. – that took me until my 30s to really have a handle on. Yeah. Well, because there's literally oh, no yeah. rule book. Right. We've right. created this arbitrary set of rules, much of which really should just be abolished because it's not inclusive and <laughs> equitable and and really right. is problematic and harmful. You know, so if we're all operating under this arbitrary set of rules about how this industry operates, then as long as you're not hurting anybody yeah. <laughs> truly and also not hurting yourself, right. then try. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's like the cardinal rule. It's like if truly, if you're not hurting anybody and no one's getting hurt or harmed in the process, yourself included, then try. Yeah. If you are leading with empathy and you are leading with um, care, yeah, try. (laughs) I love that as a, yeah, yeah, a moral takeaway. No one knows anything. No (laughs) one really knows what they're doing. We're all floundering. The world is burning. And truly, when push comes to shove, all you can do is make beautiful choices and make them boldly and with a, a heart. Yeah. I think. And hope that a <laughs> photographer snaps a photo of you. And we are going to get you – we are going to find you a red carpet. That is – by the end of this this year, oh, I think God. that's a long enough period of time for you to get on a Getty carpet situation. But we're if we so. don't get you on an official carpet, me and your boyfriend are going to create <laughs> – 
an evening. You know what? Honestly, we're going to create a good people. What's the title of this thing? Good people should meet other. Good yeah, people. we're going to do another good people could meet other good people situation. Mm -hmm. And we're going to put a little red carpet outside of it. And all <laughs> these good people are going to take good photos. And everyone's going to come away with a good, good, good. I love that. I I'm here for that. it, actually. So if, if you and I want to chat about how we make that happen, then right. I think we should make it happen. Fall is usually the best time. Just like, oh, yeah. you know, fall's a good ambiance moment. Um, for anybody who wants to follow along on your journey to watch Dear Simone, to reach out to work with you or collaborate or have any questions further off of the conversation we just had, what within your boundaries are the best way for people to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my website is my name, uh, Jenny Pearsall, J-E-N-N-Y-P-I-E-R-S-O-L.com. And um, you can follow along with Dear Simone's journey on Instagram at dearsimone.film. Beautiful. Um, thank you for taking this journey with me. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having the holding the space for this kind of conversation. Yeah. These are my favorite conversations that we have on this podcast, selfishly. I love all the other stuff. And this is where I wish I had somebody to have had these conversations before me, just to oh, sure. put little holes in the things that you know we all somewhat feel at various points in our lives, and certainly on this creative journey that we have chosen for ourselves. So, thank you for being so vulnerable and um, for having it with me. Of course, yay! If you liked this episode, please like, rate, follow, and most importantly, review us. This allows us to continue reaching other ears and minds and humans who want to be engaging in these kinds of conversations. If you did not like this episode, just let it all slide. If you are not yet doing so, please follow us on Instagram at Empowered Artist Collective, on TikTok at Empower Artist Collective, more on our website at empoweredartistcollective.com. If you want to be kept in the loop, we have a link to get on our email list in the show notes. And if you are seeking some cute, fun, awesome merchandise for yourself or your friends, we also have that link in the show notes as well. As always, I am so endlessly grateful that you keep on coming back and we will be back again next week. Until then.